0: The charred bodies of 16 people, including three children, were found today in a remote region of the French Alps. They're all believed to be members of the Solar Temple cult. It's the second time in 14 months that members of the cult have perished. Fifty-three members died in apparent murder suicides in Switzerland and Quebec in October of last year. The Order of the Solar Temple, also known as the International Order of Chivalry Solar Traditions, was a New Age religious movement that has roots in the Knights Templar, if you can believe it. The Knights Templar was a Catholic-led religious-slash-military order formed during the 12th century, among the years of the French Revolution. Originally formed with the intent of protecting Christian pilgrims on their way to the Holy Land during the time of the Crusades, the group was disbanded by King Philip IV of France. However, the order of the Solar Temple is drastically different from its previous ordained intentions. The Solar Temple was preparing for the world's apocalypse, set to happen in the 90s. Of course, when else? However, years and years of failed prophecies led to a weakening of the group's faith, and eventually, between 1994 and 97, 74 members joined a higher spiritual plane. But did the participants willingly drink the Kool-Aid, or did something far darker and more sinister happen inside those temple walls? That's right. This intro music doesn't control me. I'll keep on talking right over it. Okay? Anyways. During the 1970s to 1990s, an epidemic of suicidal cults popped up all over the world, seeming at first like alternatives to outdated religious practices, then quickly and sometimes unexpectedly turning violent. This whole case, this whole story reminds me of a movie that I recently watched um, called The Invitation. I believe it's called The Invitation. I think it's on Netflix. You know what? let me look this up. But it's basically a movie where all these people are invited to this house party, okay? And um, it's all people they haven't seen in a long time. And then there are some people there as well that uh, they don't know at all. Yes, it is called The invitation. Invitation. I'm sorry. So to sum it up, Um, It takes place in Hollywood, like up in the hills or whatever, and all these people go to the house party. Everybody's acting strange. Come to find out, the majority of the people there are in a cult. And all of the quote-unquote guests are recruits. And basically what it is, huge spoiler alert here, if uh, you do want to watch this, fast forward, like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. Um, But... The plan is for everyone to die and everyone to go to a higher spiritual plane because all of the people that have been recruited into this cult have suffered some sort of terrible tragedy in their life, like lost a child or lost a family member or something like that. Um, and I'm not saying everyone that joins a cult has these these tragedies. Some people are Some people are just more susceptible to these things or they want to be a part of something that's bigger than them, and I understand that. But in this in particular movie... Um, the point was for everyone to commit suicide. And what happens is a few people end up living., uh, most of the people die. And at the end of the night, well, they uh, at, hmm, let me back up for a second. At one point during the night, the main the main one of the main people in the cult, the guy who owns the house, lit a um like a lantern out in their yard. It was red. And the time he lit it, lit the lantern, Nobody knew what the hell was going on. But right after that is when people started dying. And then at the end of the movie, when the couple of people who live come out of the house, they look down the hill and like every house on the hill has a lantern and, they're, and they hear nothing but sirens. There's just police and ambulances like just rushing to the whole, the whole neighborhood. The whole establishment there, uh, the housing development is just full of emergency people trying to save everyone. So it's like all these mass suicides and murders all happening uh, within a very short window of time, all in different places. So that's on a, on a, uh, I don't want to say on a smaller scale, um, because in this case you have all these murder suicides happening within 24 hours, but they're actually in different countries, um, not in the same neighborhood. So it is on a larger scale in that sense um, but as far as number of casualties, it definitely in the movie The Invitation, there, was, there seemed to be a lot more casualties. But I'm, I'm, I don't know that for certain, obviously. And it's fiction, so who gives a shit? But that was just something entertaining. Um, if you're looking for a thriller or whatever, I just ruined it for you. But anyways, so uh, cults like Heaven's Gate in 97, for instance. That's another great example. Um, if you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you should check out our episode on the Heaven's Gate cult. I think it might be a patreon exclusive i'm not positive um but either way definitely worth checking out but that's where 39 men and women took their own lives hoping to be allowed access into the spacecraft um that was hidden behind the Hellbop comet of course if you're not familiar with that they also wore some dope nikes um and they wore like black turtlenecks and black pants so that's how they wanted to do well aboard the spaceship makes sense um Another example, the uh, Branch Davidians in 93 at Waco, who during a 51-day standoff with police killed four federal agents, then committed mass suicide by burning down the building they were in. This led to the deaths of 75 followers, including men, women, and most of the children on the compound. Or, I have another example, like the very well-known Jonestown Massacre. You know I had to bring up Jonestown, guys. We're talking cults. Jim Jones has got to come up somewhere. We're doing some cult shit today. So, which was, if you don't know what the Jonestown Massacre is, first off, do you even true crime? Um, but anyways, the Jonestown Massacre happened in 78. It was a murder-suicide that cost the life of 918 men, women, and children um, who were the under the influence of a deranged leader by the name of Jim Jones. After Jones became fearful that his commune was about to be ripped apart, he ordered his followers to drink poison-laced Kool-Aid while armed guards stood by and made sure they did so, and those who refused were shot while they attempted to flee or fight back. No one can really say for sure what leads a person to join such a cult. They bribe each member with the promise of a utopia and target those who are most susceptible to persuasion. These cult leaders know what they're doing, And a lot of times are rich or well-educated, charming individuals even, who have a way with words. They offer up radical ideas and theologies, explaining away doubts and sensible thinking with mysticism and quote-unquote miracles. They give hope and community to those who feel alone or have felt a great loss. They target those who are desperate, hurt, vulnerable, or susceptible. Offer them a new life, a new family, a new belief that all things work together for them. Sprinkle in a few success stories and a testimony or two, and you got people hooked, iron and sinker. People will drain their bank accounts, leave their families, abandon their children, and sign over all their possessions to just join a cult. Or sign over all their things to a cult or a group. The Solar Temple was just another cult who followed the recipe for success, founded by Luc Jorne, Joray, a homeopathic physician, and Joseph de Mambro, a New Age lecturer, uh, or basically a preacher. Uh, de Mambro was not a highly educated man, but he was a businessman. Before becoming obsessed with the occult, he ran a clockmaking and jewelry business but he had given up on that to become a lecturer for the New Age movement. He had history with the occult and was always fascinated by it. He joined the ancient and mystical order of the Rosé Cruces in 56, in his 30s, and rose quickly through their ranks. By 73, he had formed his own group called Center for Preparation of the New Age. It would change names and places over the years, but by 76, de Mambro was in Geneva, Switzerland, where he would eventually meet Luc Jauré, and the two would go on to form the Order of the Solar Temple. Hit the intro music, we're getting ready to get going. Oh, we don't have any? Okay, let's just keep going. Uh, In 1980, DeMombro invited the new age and holistic health speaker Luc Jauré to speak at what was then known as the Golden Way Gatherings. At this time, Jauré was a member of the occult already. He belonged to a group known as the Renewed Order of the Temple. After meeting, the two realized they were on the same page. They were destined to be together. Their beliefs and views would come together to establish the order of the solar temple. And the two live happily ever after, guys. People are just doing their bidding? No. So in this new sect, they combined their shared love of traditional uh, initiatory occultism with the beliefs of the coming new age. And thus, a cult was born. Dimambro acted as the church leader, hosting and leading the rituals, while Jure was more of a disciple. He traveled and recruited and lectured on the ways of the order, teaching that its members were reincarnations of great historical and religious leaders, that they would all have children who would be great cosmic beings with the purpose of bringing in the new age. He fathered a child in 1982 and named her Emmanuelle, he boosted that she would be the one to lead and bring in the impending new age. And if you're unfamiliar with Christi- Christianity, that is what they called Jesus when he was born, uh, Emmanuel, which is, I guess, basically Hebrew for Jesus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so kind of playing off of that, uh, he spells it a little different, uh, kind of have two L's at the end and then an E at the end, so I don't know if it's Emmanuel, uh, I wouldn't say La. Because there's not an A at the end. But either way, you can see what he's going for there. So among his followers, he would pair couples to have quote-unquote special children, splitting and pairing people multiple times. These children were to assist with Emmanuel in her cosmic task. However, this splitting and rematching of both single and married people led to a lot of strain and disbelief among his followers. Demambro believed that he was a reincarnation of Moses from the Christian Bible and the great pharaoh Akhenaten of ancient Egypt. Hope I didn't just butcher that. Um, interesting side note, Ak- Akhenaten was the father of the great King Tut, okay? So if you're unfamiliar, everybody knows who King Tut is, okay? So he thinks he is the reincarnation of King Tut's dad and also Moses, so... Sounds legit. Uh, he also used the same tactic to persuade and entice members into joining. The bigger your bank account, the more prestigious your reincarnation appeared to be, though. Hmm. Sketch. The group grew pretty quickly. And by the early 90s, there were three groups in Switzerland and Quebec, with membership tipping the scale around 1,000. Oh, watch out now. The highest-ranking officials were privy to the secrets of the Solar Temple and even witnessed their spiritual guides manifest in front of them, or sacred objects appearing out of nowhere. The apparitions would appear during the group's secret ceremonies, and only then. They would also appear only to the highest-ranking members. Members were convinced they were special, selected by the Most High to guard uh, and uphold its most sacred mysteries. However, throughout the years, DiMombro grew more and more paranoid that the group was being watched by the police. A common occurrence with people who, uh, you know, are doing weird shit illegally, right? They typically feel uh, a little paranoid. Or like someone conning and or blackmailing people, eventually paranoia will catch up to you as the fear of being discovered grows. DiMombro was no stranger to authorities, as he had already been arrested in the early 70s on a fraud charge and fled Israel without a passport for unknown reasons. But also, DiMombro's prophecies failed time after time, time after time, and the spiritual guides that appeared out of nowhere were uncovered to be illusions. Smoke and mirrors, if you will, almost literally. And as for his cosmic kid, she was rebelling against her calling, and growing more and more uncontrollable with age. DeMambro could see his empire unraveling slowly. DeMambro's suspicions were not without cause, though. You know, the suspicions about being watched by the police? Because the group had come into the police's focus after members tried to acquire a weapon with a silencer through a Canadian member. I mean, yeah, that might throw up some red flags. The Canadian police were convinced that the religious group was plotting a terrorist attack against the Prime Minister as Luc Jauré had just recently been named Grand Master. So, from what I gather, a man named Julian Argus was the Grand Master of the Renewed Order of the Temple, another branch of the same order, which Jauré was a member of. Oregius was closely watched by authorities as he had been a Nazi collaborator and Gustavo agent during World War II and had close connections with Mussolini. Honestly, I don't know why such a person was allowed to just go free after the war, but I guess that speaks volumes to the connections he had. Demambro had apparently convinced the Order that it was time for Origus to pass down the reins as he was growing older, And the reins were passed on to none other than the co-founder of his own order, Luc That's right, his old buddy. When this did occur, Dimambro instantly gained access to all of Auregius's far-right connections. All of these connections that somehow kept him safe and, I don't know, out of prison uh, for war crimes, now were on the side of the Solar Temple. This is when the police really took interest in the group and started surveillancing certain members, including Demambro, who was on the market for illegal weapons, apparently. Some believe that de Mombro agitated the old order by writing a letter addressed to the French Prime Minister and calling out members as racist and terrorist organized by police special forces, instantly creating tensions with the already established order. But, big old but right here, Was it an order that was old enough, widespread enough, and within enough connections to carry out a multi-continental mass murder, though? You know what I'm saying? That's a big order. The Swiss, French, and Canadian authorities have all been under great scrutiny following their very vague investigations, as they all blame the group for their own deaths. All the deaths were considered suicides, and the group considered were considered willing participants in their own deaths. However, many independent investigations uncovered no signs of an impending end, but instead plans for the future. The Canadian sect had just purchased a farm and was planning on expanding. Even so, this did not change the internal fractures that had already started to crack the foundation of the order. By 1993, de was being questioned by his own followers, about large donations given by patrons and what exactly he had done with them. This is about the time that the apparitions were found to be fake and fabricated by DeMambro. Members were cutting ties and wanting their money back, some of which had donated their entire life's earnings to the order. By late September of 1994, DeMambro had called a meeting of the highest members in France and discussed a new direction and new order for the group having everyone reporting to him. Oh yeah, this always works. Good old dictatorship. (laughs) All else fails, just do everything yourself. Um, He was in the beginning of rewriting the whole structure of the Solar Temple, and that is why what happened next shocked and puzzled both members and the onlookers. On the 4th of October, 1994, at the Solar Temple's property in Quebec, police discovered the bodies of 28 of the Order's members dead and laid out in ceremonial positions. The discovery was made after a fire in the large estate had been put out. Some of the members appear to have been shot and had plastic bags placed over their heads. Then, just ten hours later, another 25 bodies were found inside a Swiss chalet that had also been set ablaze, where the bodies of Joseph de Mambro and Luc Jouray were among the dead. Ironically, when DiMombro had spoken of his death before, he told everyone of how he, he would be consumed by the fire and taken to a higher plane of existence. Yet when his remains were found among the charred rubble, his body had seen so little damage that authorities were able to identify him at the scene. Which is crazy, right? At the Swiss location, it appeared that a member had been shot and others had ingested tranquilizers or had been suffocated before the fire. According to a surviving family member, her kin had been shot up to nine times in the head, but she was still told her relative committed suicide. Damn, that is really a dedicated suicide right there. Check this out. One gun that had shot all the members and was also found outside of the burned building was a custom single-shot pistol. Which means that every single shot, a total of 64 rounds, were shot from one weapon. Interesting to note, um, in the documentary, The Order of the Solar Temple on YouTube, uh, it's about 50 minutes. Um, it's It's kind of a just drudging tell of the story. But if you can get through it, it's very informative. But they did have one gentleman on there who was talking about the gun and this single fire weapon and how long it would take to use it and all this stuff. So basically what he broke it down to is it would take 45 seconds between each shot for you to fire a weapon and then, or fire a bullet and then get another bullet, load the gun, load, uh, you know, whatever all you have to do uh, to load this weapon. But he claimed that it took 45 seconds between rounds 45 seconds and you're talking 65 shots i mean that would take nearly an hour an hour to shoot all these people so just keep that in mind that is very strange and that definitely um, tends to lean a little more towards suicide maybe they were passing a gun around i don't know um but then, a year later in December of 1995, 16 more members of the religious sect were found dead in a forest-covered remote area of France. The bodies had been burned and staged, and included the bodies of two French policemen who were still to this day not confirmed members, but suspected. And here's something else that doesn't shine too great of a light on the old group here. Uh, the night before the 1st suicide suicides-slash-murders happened, a family of three died tragically by the cult's hand. According to police investigation, through interviews with former members, it was discovered that the woman had become pregnant outside the council of Demambro. In fact, the couple had left the order after Demambro ordered them to terminate their relationship and the child. The couple still believed in the practices of the order and went on to have their baby and named him Christopher Emmanuel. Of course, Mambro, being a little bit of a narcissistic asshole, took this as a challenge of his own daughter's appointed state. Even going as far to call little Christopher the Antichrist and ordered that he be killed, so two members of his sect invited the couple over as a ruse. Then they proceeded to stab the baby and the parents through the heart with a wooden stake, because that is the only way to kill the Antichrist, according to DeMambro. The pair then set the house on fire and fled the scene, being found three days later dead. They had committed suicide as well. The last deaths occurred in Canada in March of 1997, when five more members died in a fire in a very similar fashion as the original murder suicides. According to one source, only 15 of the 53 uh, killed during these days were suicides, and the rest had no idea how the ceremony was going to end. Learning this little bit of information is what really made me connect the dots with the Invitation movie on Netflix. I could just see this working out like this. They, just, they have so much confidence in their theology and in their leaders that they think when a new person is introduced into this, they're instantly gonna take to it. Or maybe that everyone is just as deep and as, uh, as caught up in all of this as, as they are and as steadfast in their beliefs, so they believe that everyone will commit suicide, and the ones who are for sure going to commit suicide end up sticking around to the end to make sure everyone commits suicide. Does that make sense? And that would also explain why some members were shot in the head eight to nine times, and others only once. I guess they just wanted to really be sure. Or maybe they just did not like certain members. I, I don't know. But was this the largest known murdering cult? Were these members killed by older, more powerful sex afraid of being revealed by the sloppy and arrogant DiMambro? Were all these participants really willing to partake in such a barbaric ceremony in order to reach the highest form of existence? Did they really believe what DiMambro had been teaching was the words of a higher, more powerful being? Was Demonbro full of shit? Yes, I think so. But did he really murder all those people because his life was crashing and burning and he didn't want to go out alone? Possibly. That sounds like a narcissistic move, right? But as far as anyone knows, there are no more members left of the cult. Of course, how much do we really know, though? You know, maybe the occult wanted to start over. You know, it's interesting that all the deaths happened right after DiMombro De basically declared dictatorship over everyone. He wanted to be in complete control. And you have to imagine that with a cult that big, there were a lot of people against that. So maybe the cult was looking to completely revamp. Or maybe DeMambro thought that if he couldn't run his cult, then nobody could. all right guys so that is the order of the solar temple at least my take on it but let's check in with lorne and see what he has to say about this mysterious suicide murder as i keep calling it because i really don't know and also i think it's a combination of both either way i'll see you guys on the other side of the lorne synopsis it's time for lorne It's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes.
1: What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's strange and unexplained the Order of the Solar Temple, the forgotten cult. You know, you've heard of Charles Manson. You've heard of Jim Jones. You've heard of Heaven's Gate. You've heard of the Branch Davidians. But the Solar Temple, the Order of the Solar Temple, so similar, um, continued on a similar path. You know, it was very successful in that, you know, the, the leaders of this cult gathered quite a following of passionate followers. It ended terribly with bloodshed, just like many other cults. And really, I think the reason it didn't get to be as big um, in, in pop culture and, you know, everyone doesn't know about it is because it was, by design, so complex and secretive, their beliefs. It's hard to comprehend. You have to read books to really fully understand their beliefs, but that's the way they wanted it, and also it's because their beliefs are kind of all over the place and wacky, and it's like a, it's basically a combination of a bunch of beliefs from different cults um, and much like uh you see in Scientology, they withhold the information they they view the knowledge as power. their followers want to know more and more that you know, because they believe that these two um uh, leaders of this cult, Joseph demambro and Luke Juet, they truly believed the followers did that the that they had this secret ancient knowledge, and that if they were dedicated enough and they donated enough financially into this um, and gave their lives to this cause that they would learn this ancient knowledge. Um, and they used many means to get these followers and to make them fully believe whether it was, you know, telling the the potential follower that they had cancer, they could see it in them and that they could remove it for them. Something that we've seen Jim Jones do. Um, he did that in churches several times where he would pull the cancer out of, you know, one of his followers and it was basically chicken giblets or whatever. Um, they even went as far, Joseph demambro um as to install a room with smoke and mirrors and make these believe- these followers believe that he was conjuring the spirits of ancient members of the Knights Templar, which you'd have to look into the whole history of the Knights Templar because there's books written on them as well, but that is you know loosely uh, their belief system is that they are continuing the Knights Templar's mission that they are descendants of them and they would also make these these potential followers believe that they could see within them who their uh ancestors were you know and they were always these famous people of course they had many means of getting very uh staunch followers in their system here and it all comes back to you know this is it, it, it follows the same course as like the freemasons but it ends much more terribly um and you know Scientology same type of thing um and and it's not that different. Nowadays we have less dangerous means, uh but you still see some of this behavior going on today. You know, um there's there's even martial arts schools where there are these masters, these grandmasters supposedly that can use chi and special powers to knock people over without touching them. Um power pressure points, all this stuff is is bogus, still going on today and there's still people who believe in it and will actually act as though they're being affected by this master's chi. You know, they'll run at the master, and the master will put his hand up, and they'll fall down. Stuff's still going on today. It's dangerous. Um, and these people are the same type of people that would have run cults back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s successfully. Um, much like many other cults that we've seen, this ends terribly in this case. 72 people perished. Um, some sources say 74 um, Nonetheless, that's a that's a, quite a body count. Most of them were suicide. Um, several of them were murdered um, and an entire family was murdered in one case, um, including a baby. And it's interesting to see how these cults, they follow a similar timeline, typically um, beginning to end. You know, they, they start, there's an, a level of excitement. They're gaining new followers. It's growing at a rapid rate and their followers truly believe in the leader and the mission. But typically, there comes a point in the cult where there's outside pressures, authorities, whatnot, catch on to them, start putting pressure on them. And also, there comes a point where uh, there is a whistleblower a lot of times, and in this case, it was one of the children of the leaders. Joseph DeMambro's own son, Ellie, became a skeptic, uh, of the cult and found evidence of spiritual visions being fabricated by projectors. That was a little bit what I was talking about earlier. And you basically began to speak out and you hear some doubt within the, the faction of followers. And that's when, as we saw with Jim Jones, as we saw with the Branch Davidians, where it begins to, to go from, you know, this, this cult is doing good things on this planet to we're done here on this planet. You know, we saw that as well. With the uh, Heaven's Gate followers, when it seemed like the cult had run its course, it's like it's okay. It's it's time to leave this planet. In their case, you know, we, it's time to board our ship. We must kill ourselves now. And the Jim Jones, uh, in his cult, it was uh, the authorities are after us. We have to kill ourselves. You don't want them to get a hold of us because they're going to do worse than what we can do. Just drink, drink the juice, and let's end this. And in this case. This cult had run its course and it was time for them to instill the belief in their followers that it was the apocalypse was coming and it was time for them to essentially board their ship, much like Heaven's Gate, and leave this planet for another planet. And uh, that's when you see seen on five different locations suicides, murders, and over 70 people dead. Um, and this, just just once, once again, proving that power corrupts. And when you give power, when you, when you give a bunch of, you know, the lives of a bunch of people and put them in the hands of one or two people, it goes badly, you know? And I, I, I get reminded of the story of the Munster rebellion, Dan Carlin from Hardcore History did a fantastic like five-hour podcast um, called "Prophets of Doom," that's about the Munster Rebellion in 1534. Uh, the Anabaptists, after Martin Luther had basically published the Bible in German, from you know, and allowed the average person to interpret the Bible for themselves, sprang up a bunch of prophets, so-called prophets, people that could talk to God, and they ended up actually starting a rebellion of Anabaptists, took over the the city of Munster, Germany, um, kicked all the people that weren't um, a part of their beliefs as Anabaptists out of the city and ran the city for a while. And Germany, actually the leaders of Germany, sieged the city, starved them out. But in the meantime, the few people that were running, you know, running the city became cult leaders essentially. Uh, Bernard Nipperdaling was one of them, and they the way that they acted, the power went to their heads much like these cult leaders. and they began taking all of the goods, walking around in robes, like acting like kings. Um, and what they were supposed to be about and against was against the classes, you know, against kings and things like what they were basically perpetuating in the end. They took all the food and they allowed, the other members of the of the town that they had taken over to starve to death. Um, and it just, throughout time, that's one of the truest things uh, in regards to human nature is that power corrupts. And we've seen it over and over again. And this was a fascinating cult to study. Still don't really fully have a grasp on their beliefs, but like I said, it wasn't really so much about the beliefs. The beliefs, they didn't even believe. It was what can we, how can we gain followers? How can we gain power? And when the jig is up, when it's run its course, they unfortunately typically convince their followers to kill themselves or they forcefully kill them. And we saw with Jim Jones, many of the people did not go quietly. Many of his followers, you know, most did willingly drink the Flavor Aid. Um, However, many were injected forcefully or even shot. And, of course, there's the whole sex aspect of cult leaders, which I didn't even go into, and this one was no different. The leaders of this cult, uh, a lot of their motivations were sex as well, like Joseph DeMambro and Luke Chere, much like Jim Jones, was doing the same thing, and David Koresh of the Branch Davidians. And just keep in mind, we're no different than these cult followers. You may think you're above them, but even today, There's probably someone in the public limelight that you somewhat idolize, whether it's a politician or a celebrity or an athlete, you are susceptible to this as well. If they came to you and wanted you to follow them in whatever endeavor they were doing and slowly but surely it started to get more and more ridiculous, you could find yourself in a similar situation. And I think we all need to remind ourselves and be aware. Um, that human nature we're all pretty similar in many ways and we are all susceptible to this and uh, I, I really feel for a lot of the followers of these cults that's uh that fell into this trap and ended up perishing because of it it's a it's a sad thing but that's my thoughts it's exhausting but uh so fascinating I love studying cults um, so that's my thoughts see you guys next week
0: All right, Lauren, thank you so much for that synopsis as always. Made some excellent points, especially the point about looking down on people who are in cults. I think from the outside, it's so easy to look and be like, oh, that would never be me. But like Lauren said, it's not, it's not like they're asking you to take, their, take your life on the first day. They're asking you to take your life after 15 years of dedication, and it's been a slow climb into let's see what they'll do next. Let's see if they'll do this. Let's see if they'll do that. Right. And the people in power just pushing and pushing and pushing. It's a, it's a lot like being in a relationship where everyone on the outside tells you that that person's bad for you and you just can't see it. Right. We, I think we've all been there. So it, it, looking at it from that standpoint, and, and a lot of times relationships only last, bad relationships, you know, last what, maybe a couple of years. Well, hopefully not that long if we're, if we're lucky. Hopefully just a few months. And you're already, um, you already have these blinders on because you're on the inside. Right. So, um, yeah, as you guys can tell, we love studying cults. We do. Doing some cult shit is some of our favorite stuff to do. All right, guys, just a little bit of housekeeping today. Uh, I totally sound like Sam Harris right now. It's funny, when you listen to a lot of podcasts, different hosts, you involuntarily start emulating them. Um, But, you know, if they're good hosts, which, in my opinion, I think they are. I think, like, Sam Host... Uh, Sam host, (laughs) Sam Harris, um, Dan Cummins, uh, who else do I like to emulate sometimes? Um, Leroy Luna, you know, excellent host. Um, yeah, I think those guys, those guys right there, those guys inspire me. So I think you can get inspiration from anybody. So, uh, yeah, guys, Leroy Luna, uh, Excuse me, that's illegal. One of my favorite true crime podcasts takes a hardcore look at softcore crimes. So yeah, check that out. Um, But anyways, guys, if you want to support this show and you like what I got going on here, then please consider joining Patreon. Patreon.com slash S&U podcast. And you guys can get early releases to these shows, plus any extra bonus content that I'm putting on there. I'm trying uh, to add things as we speak. I am working on a more consistent... Um, video feature so hopefully we'll be able to get some more video if not of this show on Patreon then of at least strange shorts and possibly the cleanser or if I have interviews or friends on or whatever um, I would really like to start incorporating more video in the show um, but for right now you get early access to these shows on Thursdays instead of Monday As well as access to Strange Shorts, which is a shorter show that I do. Well, I say shorter, but ends up still being 30 minutes half the time. Um, Just about smaller cases, I ramble a little bit more. It's a little more off the cuff. You know, it's a little more laid back uh, atmosphere. It's almost like I'm, I'm talking, you know, with you guys. Like I'm telling. I like to think of that show as I found out this cool thing. I'm gonna go tell all my friends. But instead of telling all my friends, I'm just gonna sit in a room by myself and record what I would say. Wow, that sounds lame when you say it out loud. Um, But yeah, patreon.com slash podcast, Guys, for just three bucks a month, you can be part of the Sandu family on there. I want to give a big shout out and a thanks to Alec Shanley, who just came on at the $5 level. And um, also, Alec, I want to thank you for the very heartfelt DM that you sent me on Instagram. Probably one of the best messages I have ever received. Thank you so much. Um, Listeners like you guys inspire the hell out of me and encourage me to keep creating content. So thank you very much. Um, but guys, if you can't afford Patreon, no big deal. Another great way to help the show is just to tell your friends. Share on social media. Uh, give us a tag on social media. Shout out. Show people what you're listening to. Um, or you can go leave a review, whether you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher um, or wherever it be. I wish you could leave a review on Spotify. Spotify seems to really be growing. Um, but Stitcher is as well. So if you guys are looking for a new podcast player there's a lot of good ones out there um but yes leaving a review on those really helps the show it helps other listeners find out what the show is about um also guys you guys can find merch for strange and unexplained it has the uh strange unexplained words just in just like that in that font true crime guys presents and you can get a hoodie with that logo on it at truecrimeguys.threadless.com and guys there's always links to all of these things that i plug right below the description of the episode. So you guys can just scroll up, just go in there, be like, hmm, let's see what's kind of going on here. And you can also see my sources. So videos that I talk about, sound clips that I use, those things will be in the sources. So you guys can check them out if you're, if you're ever more curious. So I guess that's about it, guys. Um, I'll see you guys next week for another strange and unexplained case. Remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger.